Book One, Chapter Thirteen of Toussaint L'Ouverture, A Biography and Autobiography. This is a LibriVox recording. All LibriVox recordings are in the public domain. For more information or to volunteer, please visit LibriVox.org. Recording by James K. White. Toussaint L'Ouverture, A Biography and Autobiography by John Relly Baird. Book One, Chapter Thirteen. Toussaint L'Ouverture inaugurates a better future, publishes a general amnesty, declares his task accomplished in putting an end to civil strife and establishing peace on a sound basis, takes possession of Spanish Haiti, and stops the slave trade, welcomes back the old colonists, restores agriculture, recalls prosperity, studies personal appearance on public occasions simplicity of his life and manners his audiences and receptions is held in general respect on the first of august eighteen hundred l'ouverture made his triumphal entrance into calles all official honors were rendered to him hearts on every side beat with enthusiastic gratitude toward the general benefactor he ascended the pulpit and proclaimed the oblivion of wrongs he complained only of the absence of the mulattoes. The sense of their discomfiture was too recent. Two of their chiefs, however, went to meet him afterward, and he received them in a cordial manner. His aim was to direct men's minds from the dark past to the bright future. On the 17th of the month he put forth his proclamation. Citizens, all the events which have taken place at San Domingo during the Civil War occasioned by Rigaud are of a nature to merit public attention now that they are no longer likely to be renewed it is of importance to the prosperity of the colony and to the happiness of the inhabitants to draw the curtain on the past in order that we may be occupied exclusively in repairing the evils which of necessity have resulted from the intestine war brought forth by the pride and ambition of an individual a part of the citizens of san domingo have been deceived because too credulous they did not sufficiently suspect the snares which had been laid to draw them into their criminal designs. Others have acted in these circumstances according to the impulsion of their hearts. Moved by the same principles as the chief of the revolt, they considered it beneath them to be commanded by a black man. Him they judged it necessary to get rid of, at whatever cost, and they spared nothing to succeed in their object. The ambition of their chief led him to make the country his own. His satellites had at heart nothing so much as to give him aid. For their reward he assigned to them, aforehand, the offices they were to occupy. They are disappointed in their expectation, and in my quality as the victor, wishing and very ardently desiring to promote the happiness of my native land, penetrated by what is set forth in the Lord's Prayer, forgive us our transgressions as we forgive those who transgress against us, I have published a proclamation by which I grant a general amnesty. That proclamation is known to you. It has produced the happy result which I promised myself. The Southern Department has returned to its obedience to the laws. Let us forget that bad men had led it away from duty to gratify their criminal passions, and let us now consider only as brothers those who, through their easy faith, dared to turn their arms against the flag of the republic and against their lawful chief 
i have ordered all citizens to return to their several parishes to enjoy the benefits of this amnesty citizens not less generous than myself let your most precious moments be employed in causing the past to be forgotten let all my fellow citizens swear never to recall the past let them receive their misled brethren with open arms and let them in future be on their guard against the traps of bad men civil and military authorities my task is accomplished it now belongs to you to see that harmony is no more troubled do not allow the least reproach on the part of any one against those who went astray but have returned to their duty notwithstanding my proclamation keep an eye on the bad and do not spare them the man is unjust he is inclined to evil rather than good firmly put down his perverse designs and never close your eyes on his conduct and his proceedings honor should guide you all the interests of our country require it its prosperity needs peace true and confiding peace such a peace must be your work on you solely now depends public tranquillity in son domingo take no rest until you have secured it i expect this from your courage and from your devotion to the french republic the spirit of moderation the spirit of mercy itself dictated these words reference to the late troubles was prescribed by a rigid sense of duty the reference made in no way exceeds what the occasion demanded and falls very short of what the evil inflicted by the revolt would have justified it was of absolute necessity to characterize rigaud but how different the tone of toussaint l'ouverture compared with the injurious epithets lavished in his proclamation by that mulatto leader against his lawful chief but even for the bad l'ouverture had forgiveness how terrible a punishment might he now have inflicted on the men of color had he been open to the prejudices of caste and skin he would have let loose on them the desire of retribution and the thirst for revenge one word of his and the race would have been nearly extirpated not by their forbearance was he kept from uttering that word nor by their softened feelings toward the negroes nor by a confidence that they would no more attempt disturbance but solely by a regard to his religious duty and a manly confidence in the right and the merciful my task is accomplished and yet he had obtained nothing for himself the military position he held as it was won by the sword so was it necessary to the work he had performed it was a burden rather than a recompense a duty and an obligation instead of an honor not for himself but for his country did he hold the command of the armies of son domingo my task is accomplished it is noble black it is accomplished and accomplished well if only thou lookest to the wheel of haiti but hast thou no object of thine own opposition can no longer hold up its head thy foes are prostrate every eye is turned to thee every heart is fixed on thee hast thou nothing to ask for thyself the crown and the sceptre of haiti nay frown not other successful warriors have taken regal titles as their due nor need thou fear opposition the agent is weak and disesteemed bonaparte is reaping laurels in italy england will be prompt to aid thee then consider how much thy race needs elevation what could so much raise them from the dust 
yes thou must as thou canst be king of haiti and thy name glorious for its military deeds will be more glorious still as the first of a long line of illustrious sovereigns of negro blood instead of troubling himself and others in arrangements for placing on his head the bauble of a crown toussaint l'ouverture turned his attention to the condition of the country haiti was not yet wholly in the power of france though formerly ceded to the french the eastern part of the isle remained under spanish rule not sincere in his wishes to take possession of spanish haiti Rome had sent forces so inconsiderable that they were easily defeated on their return he revoked his order for its occupation on learning the fact l'ouverture was indignant was slavery then in its worst form to be established and acknowledged in haiti was the government to be an assenting if not a concurring party and were all his own labors and sacrifices to be thus frustrated frustrated by low self-interest and base intrigues could he who had conquered freedom for the negroes allow their children to be kidnapped and transported to strange countries and foreign lands there to be degraded and ruined impossible yet such was the alternative if rome retained possession of the civil government for he had tried what could be done in this matter with rome by argument and moral influence the effort had failed and now rome had availed himself of his absence and his absorption in military duties to reverse a policy in which they had in council come to an understanding besides he had proved himself unfaithful to france by virtually surrendering a portion of his rightful possessions in such hands power could not be safely trusted and doubtless the home government would thank him if toussaint vindicated his rights and secured its territory actuated by those considerations toussaint l'ouverture arrested rome and sent him to dondon on the occasion he issued this address toussaint l'ouverture general-in-chief of his fellow-citizens the duties of the office held by citizen rome were in his quality of representative of the french government to consecrate his moral and physical faculties to the happiness of san domingo and to its prosperity very far from doing so he took counsel only of the intriguers by whom he was surrounded to sow discord amongst us and to foment the troubles which have not ceased to agitate society however in spite of the calumnies which he has continually thrown out against myself in his letters to france and santo domingo he shall be protected from every penalty but my respect for his character must not prevent me from taking the proper steps in order to deprive him of the power of again plotting against the tranquillity which after so many revolutionary concussions i have just had the happiness to establish in consequence and in order to isolate him from the intriguers who have kept him in their shackles and to respond to the complaints made in respect to him by all the parishes the brigadier-general mouise will supply the said citizen rome with two carriages and a sure escort which with all respect due to his character will conduct him to the village of dondin where he will remain until the french government shall recall him to render an account of his administration at cap francois five frimaire twenty six november the ninth year eighteen hundred of the french republic one and indivisible the general-in-chief toussaint l'ouverture 
Rome remained a prisoner at Dondin for several months, and then was permitted by L'Ouverture to return to France by way of the United States. As soon as he had removed the impediment, Toussaint L'Ouverture took effectual steps for putting down the slave trade and occupying the east of the island. After a few shots, he entered Santo Domingo on the 2nd of January, 1801, at the head of 10,000 men, and hoisted the flag of the French Republic on its ramparts, to the salvo of two and twenty cannon. He was received at the mansion house by the chief authorities who wished him to take in the name of the Holy Trinity an oath to govern with wisdom. Such a course would be proper, he replied, in an officer appointed by the court of Madrid, but I am the servant of the Republic. Therefore, I am unable to do what you ask, but I swear solemnly before God, who hears the oath, that I forget the past, and that my watchings and my cares shall have no other object than to render the Spaniards, now become Frenchmen, contented and happy. On the utterance of these words, Don Garcia, the governor, handed him the keys of the city. I accept them, said Toussaint, in the name of the French Republic and then turning toward the assembly he added with an humble voice, Let us go and thank the author of all things for having crowned with the greatest success our enterprise, prescribed by treaties and the laws of the Republic. Followed by the governor and all the Spanish authorities, he went to the cathedral, where a te deum was chanted in token of gratitude to God. Thus, from Cape Samana in the east to Cape Tiburon in the west, the power of Toussaint L'Ouverture was everywhere established and acknowledged. Knowing the favorable effects produced on the popular mind by the progress of distinguished personages in the parts under their administration, Toussaint L'Ouverture traversed the Spanish territory and visited the principal places. He was everywhere received with the acclamations of the people, the merry peal of bells and the thunders of cannon. The clergy, barefooted, came on all sides to give him welcome. He treated them with profound respect. Within a few days he was master of the obedience of the Spaniards as much of the confidence of the blacks. The union of the Spanish to the French part of Haiti procured reciprocal advantages, the effects of which soon became apparent. The French gained facility in acquiring horses and mules for the cultivation of the soil, and the Spaniards found enormous gain in the exportation of its animals, flocks, and horned cattle. The black regiments, restrained by Toussaint's powerful hand, had done but little damage in the invasion, and those who were left in garrison put large sums of money in circulation. The elements of French administration which followed the troops bestowed on the country new principles and sources of industry and wealth. Magnificent roads were formed. Carriages were then for the first time introduced. Even the horses, under the influence of Toussaint's example, improved their pace. Distances were abridged, time was saved, the minds of the people were awakened from torpor, activity universally prevailed, and commerce and riches began to abound. Amid the general excitement, prosperity, and hope, the enthusiasm toward its cause became greater every day, and Toussaint's name was pronounced with blessings by all tongues. Having given the command of Santo Domingo to his brother Paul, who had risen by merit to the rank of brigadier-general, Toussaint L'Ouverture returned to the French part of Haiti, and forthwith applied his mind to the condition and wants of the island. 
he was thoroughly acquainted with the theatre on which he had to act and the character of the people subject to his power he took the wisest measures to develop the powers of the former and to gain the confidence of the latter aware that he had a mass of prejudices to overcome and the most tangled web of interests to set in order he mingled discretion with zeal and while aiming at the general wheel forgot not the deference that might consolate nor failed in the bland and courteous manners that might win the old colonists he welcomed to his presence without familiarity and showed respect even to their prejudices so far as the public good would permit the steward of the plantation on which he had himself been a slave vegetated in the united states louverture being informed of the fact wrote him an invitation to return to haiti to put himself at the head of the interests of their good old masters the letter conceived in a friendly and urgent tone brought back the steward toussaint gave him an interview and among other things said to him return to the plantation be just and inflexible see that the blacks do their duty in order to add by your prosperity to the prosperity of the land the discontinuance of the war led to the resumption of agriculture the change from the musket to the hoe was of course gradual but such was the influence and such the determination of the great black that ere long the rich cultivable districts began to put on a smiling aspect promising riches as well as abundance had the peace continued the promise would have been realized in the fullest degree forthwith however did the culture of the soil besides providing for the wants of the inhabitants furnish the public treasury with sufficient resources intelligence of the returning prosperity reached foreign lands the colonists who were scattered up and down in those lands saw a ray of hope and notwithstanding what they had undergone in san domingo notwithstanding their dislike of the predominance of the blacks they invited and gladly accepted permission to return home and resume possession of their estates their letters coming from various countries and unanimously expressing confidence in the integrity and the power of the general-in-chief as well as in the justice and excellence of his administration greatly contributed to strengthen his hands and confirm his authority scarcely could a more satisfactory or a more striking proof be given of the claim of toussaint to our respect and admiration than is found in the readiness with which this class of men embarked their all in the vessel which he commanded the political evils and civil wars that had afflicted san domingo in causing the expatriation of proprietors had in many cases occasioned the loss of traces to the succession under toussaint's orders the property so circumstanced was secured to military chiefs and was thus restored to cultivation and productiveness at the same time regulations were issued by which the laborers on the estates became a sort of co-proprietors he had aforetime thrown his protection over immigrants and thereby had brought on himself difficulty and suspicion he now took into his service subaltern officers of immigrant regiments and offered protection to those who were unwilling to join his forces disregarding color and position in his appointments he sought in his servants and fellow laborers for those who were most fitted for the duties of the several offices if his favor was less marked toward any it was toward those of his own blood not because he loved them less but because having their confidence he could employ in relation to them a freedom of word and action which might have been misunderstood by others 
with his strong and vivid religious sentiments he was naturally prompted to pay special regard to the priests and to the interests of religion in general nor environed as he was by men whose senses were the avenues to their affections did he neglect personal appearance studious in his attire he surrounded himself with a numerous guard in which were names distinguished in the olden time when he went forth in public he was accompanied by a splendid retinue which fixed and dazzled all eyes surrounded by a guard of from fifteen to eighteen hundred men brilliantly clad and having for his own personal use a stud containing hundreds of horses he appeared before the eyes of the people in the exterior of a prince but beneath this imposing show he himself studied the utmost simplicity always temperate he often carried moderation to abstinence his iron frame received strength chiefly from the deep and full resources of his vigorous mind master of his soul he had no difficulty in mastering his body while partaking of none but the most frugal diet with water for his drink and vegetable preparations for his meat he rarely slept more than two hours the whole energy of his life was absorbed and consumed in the great task which he had undertaken and which in truth demanded more vital power than even he had to bestow though advanced in life he was incessantly in movement and travelled with a rapidity which defied calculation and excited amazement seeing everything with his own eyes he had little need to rely on the reports of others and he at once promoted his independence and augmented his power by deriving his policy and his plans from his own knowledge and his own meditations little should we expect to see such a person addicted to the labours of the cabinet yet in replying by means of several secretaries to two or three hundred letters daily he seemed to experience a pleasure as lively as that enjoyed by other men in the satisfaction of the senses as the governor of the land toussaint l'ouverture felt it necessary to keep up some kind of state like other chief magistrates he had his receptions of ceremony as well as his less formal audiences the union of french vanity and negro love of parade in the foremost people made him feel the importance of requiring due attention to appearances and etiquette hence he instituted what bears the name of circles at which all who were invited were expected to be present these circles were of two kinds the greater and the less to the greater formal invitations were given toussaint himself appeared in the assemblies in the undress uniform of a general officer his simple attire in the midst of surrounding brilliancy contrasted favorably with the dignified tone which he knew how to maintain when he presented himself all the company females as well as males arose from their seats attentive even to the proprieties he showed his disapproval of any exposure of the person in female dress on one occasion he was seen to throw his handkerchief over the bare bosom of a lady saying modesty is the best charm of the sex after having made the tour of the hall and spoken to everybody he withdrew by the door at which he entered bowing right and left to the company the less circles were public audiences which took place every evening at these toussaint l'ouverture appeared clad like the ancient proprietors when on their plantations all the citizens entered the grand saloon and were irrespectively of rank and position addressed by the governor as convenience served after having gone round the room he retired and took with him into a small apartment 
in front of his bedchamber, which he used as a study, the persons with whom he wished to converse more freely and more at length. The greater number of these were the chief whites of the colony. There, seating himself, he requested all others to be seated. Then he proceeded to talk with them of France, of his children, of religion, of his old masters, and of God's grace in giving him liberty, and granting him means for discharging the duties of the post in which he had been placed by the mother country. He also conversed of the progress of agriculture, of commerce, and never of political concerns. He questioned each respecting his own private affairs and of his family, and appeared to take an interest in the several matters. With mothers he spoke of their children, and inquired whether they attended to their religious education, and the young he would sometimes briefly examine in their catechism. When he wished to put an end to the audience he arose and bowed. The company then retired, being attended by him to the door. As they left, he appointed times for special interviews with those who made the request. Then he shut himself up with his private secretaries, and commonly continued his labors far into the night. In this practical regard to show and parade, L'Overture may have been influenced by his own personal defects. Small in person, he was of a repulsive aspect, and, having a difficult utterance, he spoke with as little elegance as grammar. Yet his were words of power, for they came from a strong soul, and were the heralds of a resolute will. A man of few words and powerful imagination, he sometimes uttered his ideas in parables, the rather that in such a form he could the more effectually imprint them on the minds of the rude natures with which he had to deal. On more occasions than one, he took a glass vase, and, having filled it with grains of black maize, he put therein some grains of white maize, and said, You are the black maize, the whites who would enslave you are the white maize. He then shook the glass, and, placing it before their eyes, he cried, as if inspired, See the white ones only here and there? The army Toussaint L'Overture kept under the most vigorous discipline. Every breach of duty was severely punished. Even during the civil wars, plunder was restricted as much as possible. He was, however, adored by his soldiers. Scarcely less was the veneration paid him by other members of Haitian life. He won and enjoyed the esteem of the colonists. He was valued highly by the ministers of religion. By the blacks he was regarded as a messenger of God. Even the mulattoes began to look to him with hope and respect. The confidence which Toussaint inspired soon produced good effects in the colony. The lands, once more cultivated and cultivated under judicious regulations, became productive and, as of old, poured forth abundance and wealth. With the spread of industry and the increase of riches, population which had been greatly diminished in the wars recovered its impulse and augmented its numbers. A large and prosperous people restored the churches which had been burnt or allowed to become dilapidated decorated the cities with fine buildings, enriched the public treasury, cultivated the arts, and ere long indulged in luxury. The general intelligence was raised, and manners were refined. Human nature vindicated itself against his calumniators, for in a short time, after a period of frightful wasting, the black state of Haiti could endure a comparison with the higher forms of white and European civilization. There was at the Cape, under the name of the Hôtel de la République, an inn, 
the exterior and interior splendor of which scarcely yielded to the richest establishments of the kind in any part of the world it was frequented by the principal blacks and by the americans of the continent there mere etiquette was unknown the most perfect equality prevailed at the same table sat private individuals and the heads of the state officers of every rank men of all conditions it was frequently visited by l'ouverture who took his place without preference in any vacant seat for he often said that distinction of rank ought to exist only in the moment of public service travelers who visited the island at the beginning of the present century warriors who played a part in the events of that epoch agree in declaring that in the society of san domingo the men were polite and the women easy and elegant that the relations between the sexes lacked neither attraction nor dignity and that the prejudices of color seemed to have lost their former power the theatre came into vogue the greater number of the new actors were blacks and some of them gave proof of talent in comedy and in pantomime a taste for music became general the guitar was specially cultivated men of negro and mulatto blood not only formed the bulk of the population but occupied the higher positions even the most important duties of the administration were in their hands yet life went forward with ease and efficiency religion was honored morals were at least not inferior to what they are in white society the arts were cultivated the elegancies of life were not unknown among men and women who had but recently quitted the brutalizing condition of servitude an ability and a refinement were observed which you sometimes look for in vain among men who have the reputation of being highly cultivated end of book one chapter thirteen recording by james k white chula vista